Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to Applying Futures Thinking, a podcast of using foresight. We bring in people from the foresight futures field just to talk about how they apply futures thinking in their own way. Today is a conversation with Roxy Nogalusi. Roxy is an entrepreneurial design strategist. She's also a futurist and a speaker from Toronto. She has a Master of Design in Strategic Foresight and Innovation. With five plus years in strategic problem solving roles, she's also done everything from running discovery research to leading international rollout of new innovations. You'll probably see her solving problems from the inside out as a staff service designer over at Shopify or exploring social impacts of technology on her blog or on a stage. So thank you for tuning in. Hope you like it. Roxy. That was fun. <laughs> Welcome back. But yeah, I really hope you enjoy that. That was uh, the second time doing an Instagram live. It was my first time. It was very cool. I learned a lot about technology, <laughs> being a participant of it. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, um, let's do, I guess, an, a recap of the whole conversation that we had on Instagram Live. Sure. Where do we start? I guess the first question is, I guess we're going to be going through the questions again. Okay. So you, got, you can have like, you already said it, right? So you can have more in depth you can speak as much as you want or as little as you want but um the instagram live was free reign you, you could it was just to have fun just to engage with the participants and i was pretty amazed and pretty excited that the audience that we had were asking questions so i like they that were, yeah that was great so first question is what is your background in foresight any training certifications or courses that you took? Um, on the IG Live, I explained that my interest in the future and its impacts started as early as high school, maybe even before that. Um, but the formal training I have is Master of Design in Strategic Foresight and Innovation. And the way I found that was by following my desire for media studies and the way that different advertisements at the time, but now just different creations, products, services, etc., can impact humans and our behavior. I started truly considering myself as a futurist and actually practicing it um, a little bit after my studies. I had an internship at an insurance company, and I had the great privilege of exploring the future of banking for them because it was something they were interested in potentially getting into. So it was a wide open space and I took it upon myself to run these future focused workshops and to get everybody involved in trend scanning so that we were able to present, is this an opportunity worth getting into? Yes, no. If not, what's a better one? And what are the risks and what exists in the space? So that was my first time beyond classroom projects that I was able to put it in practice in the real world. It is pretty hard to find futurist related job titles. Um, Oftentimes I think you have to make your own. And so 
that's kind of what I did. I was like, I'm passionate about this. I want to share my ideas. I want to speak about it. So I started writing things in a blog and I started speaking at conferences and now podcasts. <laughs> Here we are. What is, is there a specific title that you like to re refer to as and why? Some people use futurists, some people use foresight strategist. There's probably other ones that I'm not thinking of, speculative designer. I do a lot of different things that have a lot of different titles. So I use the all-encompassing strategist when I describe myself, at least at a party with people that aren't, you know, in the futures field. Um, and I use foresight as a lens through which I solve problems for clients as a strategist. Thank you for that. All right. So I guess before we get to the topic of interest, I guess one of the things that I ended over in the IG live is what is futures thinking to you? Mm, a powerful one. Hmm. Um, I used a metaphor for planting seeds today, knowing that one day there will be a tree. And also knowing that not all seeds will become trees, but the more you put there, the more likely you are to grow a tree. I think the important part about futures is not just imagining what might be, but also knowing where you're planting that seed. Is a tree in this location going to be a bother in the future? Um, what was part of the soil or what was in the soil before that? And how might the climate impact its growth? All of these external factors about the seed you're planting that's going to become something in the future. It's not just about the tree, but it's about the tree's environment, what impact that may have. So I guess if I were to summarize all of that, futures thinking to me is looking at what's happening today and understanding how it will impact our many futures. So it's like if there's the tree becomes full grown and there's an implication, there's a concern. Um, we can anticipate that before planting that tree. So instead of leaving the tree grow and then for, for some reason, the city wants to cut it down because of some negative impact it's having on you know, its surrounding or there's more, I guess, a new building that's happening there, but more likely case, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I can see that. I can see how you can, you know, visualize futures thinking as a seed, as planting a seed. And is there a seed that you've planted in the past or in the present that you're really proud of yourself? Um, I'm not sure if you mean metaphorical <laughs> or, <in it>. um, <laughs> or not, Personal. but I actually, I have two examples. One of them is an actual uh, tree seed. I planted when I was four and I must have gone to like a daycare or something, YMCA, one of those things for kids. And we got to plant a little tree and nobody survived apparently, but mine is now a huge, beautiful tree. And it's very special to me, even though I don't actually remember planting it. I remember as it grew, I remember putting like a little pink ribbon around it. And then it eventually got so big, it like <laughs> tried to engulf that ribbon. So I had to cut it off. Um, 
I think that's a very literal example of planting something and hoping that it turns out the way that you want. And it absolutely did. And then in a less literal sense, um, my life goal is to give a TED talk. And so I purposefully design my life in a way that gets me toward that goal. And so I backcast the things that need to be done, the things I need to accomplish and achieve and know in order for me to accomplish that goal. And so this podcast is planting a seed and um, building a relationship with you could be planting a seed. So could writing a book. There's a lot of different things, but I think um, I purposefully designed my life so that I plant a lot of seeds for future trees <laughs> that I want to grow. There you go, guys. That's one example or many examples of using futures thinking, you know, as a mindset, you know, it could be, you can be creating your own future, but, you know, planting those seeds today, you know, will make it happen. So mm-hmm. thank you, Roxy, for that kind of inspiration. <laughs> to me, it, it gave me that kind of motivation to keep going and, you know, a little, I guess, uh, understanding that the things that I'm doing now with using foresight with other shows that I have, um, it will lead to a big tree, like you said. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for for you. Uh, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that tech talk, hopefully in person. Hopefully I'll be in the audience just watching and be like, mm-hmm. I know that person. <laughs> yeah, you'll be giving a standing ovation, I hope. <laughs> but yeah, so going with, um, so the next question is, and I think it's the topic for this podcast, for this episode is technology. So why did you choose technology as a topic? With, I'm, you know, technology with uh, future thinking in mind. I think when people, if I tell someone I'm a futurist, the first thing they think is, oh, you study like this really futuristic technology like something I shared on Instagram this morning is um, augmented reality contacts, contact lenses that you put in and they tell you the speed limit of the street you're on and information about, I don't know, who's walking in front of you. I don't remember everything, but um, that's the kind of thing that people assume that futurists are focused on and they're excited about these future technologies and that's all. But Futurists are really looking at the implications of different developments across the board. And because we live in such a high-tech society, a lot of those are tech-related. It's also a very intimidating space because it moves so quickly. There is so much happening that I will never be an expert on all of the emerging technologies, or if I am one day, I won't be the next. So instead of focusing on the technology itself, I am fascinated by the impact that technology and its use has or will have on society. The way that we develop the relationships that we have, the relationship and expectations we have for ourselves. We spoke a little bit about um, people of my generation would gesture to picking up the phone like a, I'm I'm trying to explain this because it's a podcast, like a hang loose kind of (laughs) hand. And nowadays, younger generations just put a flat hand up to their ear. 
Um, while a gesture isn't a big deal, things are changing and they sneak right past us if we aren't paying attention. So the fact that a phone has a different meaning to people, shocking, picking up the phone is it's already in your hand for this generation. There's nothing to pick up. Um, I think there's just so much developing and so many potential impacts that we need to be paying attention. We need to be talking about it. So that's why I picked it. Yeah. And one of the things that you got me interested is, um, well, I think in the past we had a Twitter Spaces event and the topic for that one was why is features thinking important? Why should people uh, consider it even more? So that was the inspiration of just continuing the conversation, continuing to bring in people. But one of the things that got me excited was your interest in speaking, you know, with the tech world, in the tech world in mind, with future thinking, because me, I'm a technology enthusiast, so emerging tech enthusiast. So it was fascinating. I was excited to talk about it. I was interested to see your perspective about the, the tech world. And one of the questions that we had on our Instagram live was um, your perspective on Web3. And as you said, you're not an expert in everything that's going on. So Web3 is interesting, but for us people who are pretty new, we're still confused by the whole thing. I'm confused just as much, but metaverse is something that we were discussing, right, Roxy? So mm -hmm. do you want to give your, I guess, your thoughts about the whole metaverse concept? And is there anything that was interesting, concerning, or exciting about this technology landscape that's you know occurring and happening you know right now i think overall the metaverse is all about projecting oneself and we create these avatars that will play or communicate or work with other avatars and i've been in meetings where someone will create an avatar that looks completely different from them um, one was very problematic. Uh, someone did like a black face through avatar. Didn't love that. <laughs> um, but also people can project the person that they wish they were, you know, their body might be different or they might have longer hair or something like that. Um, and avatars have no wrinkles. <laughs> At least I haven't seen them as very wrinkly. I think there's something to be said about the way that we choose to present ourselves and, this also goes to what we were talking about relating to filters. The way that we choose to show up online is the way that people are perceiving us. And it's also shifting their expectations or what they can expect from people, interactions, et cetera, in the real world. I think that's pretty dangerous territory to be messing with. Um, there's something that I wrote about called Snapchat dysphoria and people have been going into plastic surgeons offices and showing their Snapchat selfie or their selfie with a filter and saying, I want to look like this. And so we're seeing a very literal shift from this is my online persona to actually trying to get the physical to emulate it. There's so much I could say, but the conclusion is this is a dangerous space to be playing in. I think it's powerful enough that it could be great, but we need humans to be more involved in its development. 
I guess we did some kind of future thinking right there. And I'm not sure if you want to do some more scenario that you want to present about, you know, the outcome, not outcome, but, you know, the development of metaverse. What are your wishes that you want to see, you know, happening? Um, not sure how far along away that you want to discuss, five, 10, five years, 10 years, 20 years. <laughs> What I want to see is people enjoying the outdoors again. <laughs> what I want to see is a complete shift away from things like the metaverse. However, I see its benefit because although participating, I imagine is pretty expensive, um, it might make far distances more accessible to people or attending conferences or um, people that are not able-bodied are able to do new things in the metaverse, perhaps. So I see some positive impacts, but overall for myself, I hope we move away from metaverse because I love the outdoors. <laughs> and I think if all of my friends were constantly on in the metaverse and not outdoors, I would be very sad. <laughs> And I think one of the audiences from our Instagram live was also agreeing with you. She wants more people to go and, you know, connect more with nature and just being outside. It's good for the soul. It's good for the skin. Mm -hmm. It's good for your health. And mm -hmm. I think our health will deteriorate if we put so much of our attention into online platforms in general, but metaverse being one that I can see um, people getting fully engulfed in. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of the things that just reminded me was um, the mother and the daughter, so, or the son, but there was another podcast that I was listening to, and the woman that was talking said that she was talking to her son and asked him to put his phone down and to go be social, but the response from the kid, he said, but I am being social. So mm -hmm. it's a different kind of generation, just similar to how, you know, how new generations use the flat hand up mm -hmm. to their ear, you know, signaling the phone. But for us, for the older generation is the thumb and the pinky being up to our ear and our mouth. You know, that's the sign of, you know, picking up a phone or for a phone call, whatever it is. So what's your thoughts about that? you know, younger generations. I think it's an of. amazing point um, that my perspective is, um, my perspective comes from a place of my own experience, which is growing up without such technology of a cell phone and social media platforms and the internet. But so my definition of social is different from theirs. And who am I to say that mine is right and theirs is wrong? Um, I do see benefits of the outdoors and socializing in person, but I recognize that that's not for everyone. <laughs> so I think that's a great example of why we have to realize that each generation or each individual has their own perspective on what is and is not right for them. I hope that in the future, technology will take that into account and have different options for how to participate. 
yeah one of the things that came to mind was the the cultural aspect like in the old days when there was no internet the only people that you connected with was the people in your town or you know nearby but for now mm-hmm. in the present you can be become friends with someone from let's say for me i'm in phoenix arizona i can make a friend in china if i wanted to if i wanted to reach out to someone you know just playing video games or whatever it is that i'm interested in you know digitally or in a in the metaverse or somewhere else and i can learn firsthand what their culture is how they speak to other people their manners and such just from a digital space a little digital um connection but mm-hmm. for for people in the old days it's learning the culture through textbooks right yeah exactly so i guess for for the next question that i have is how can uh, how can people apply futures thinking in this kind of sense in this tech world what's one way that people can have that kind of sense of control of what technology they can you know accept or adapt or understand you know the future implications what i said on the instagram live was keep your eyes open to little signals or little little shifts um because I'm pretty, I blinked and my dial up internet <laughs> on a huge honking computer <laughs> turned into a little glass device I keep in my pocket. Um, these things happen so quickly and we don't even realize they're happening. So the first thing is open your eyes, just pay, pay as much attention to your surroundings. And to respond to the element of control, how do we um, as individuals take control or decide which technologies to um, participate in? I say, trust your body. Um, if, if there's a hesitation before signing up to something, lean into that, figure out why, what is it that you're afraid of? And realize that that hesitation is valid just because everybody else is signing up for something does not mean that you need to as well. In fact, you might, feel better in the end if you don't participate in something that you have a gut feeling is a bad idea. I guess it comes to our natural instincts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as humans, as the as species that has, you know. Yeah. In such a high-tech world, we have to remember that we're humans. <laughs> we have to realize that we are our own uh, thinking entities and we have control over what we say yes and no to. Although technology companies don't always want us to have that control, we can take it back. But we have to be aware of it. Yeah, speaking about technology, I think one of the questions that I had that was pretty good that I didn't have written down is um, if more people are learning about futures thinking and how to use it, use foresight, um, do you think that the whole technology, community, world, landscape um, will have a, an easier understanding of how the technology might be impacted in the future, you know, be more responsible in the present when they're, you know, creating such gadgets and technology? Definitely. I think if more people had the perspective and were thinking of long-term impacts, we would have less negative long-term impacts. I think 
if technologists that are designing things today um, based on what they think is cool or whatever uh, technology is trending had taken foresight classes, maybe ethics training would be considering how big of an impact their small decisions can have. And one of them is like the designer that's adding the dark patterns onto the interface that's not letting you unsubscribe or having you think that you've unsubscribed when you haven't. What kind of impact is that having? The person is losing trust in your platform. They're also losing trust in technology because they're being manipulated. And people just think it's as silly as a button, but that button has a lot of power over someone's behavior and their behavior has a lot of uh, power over other people's behavior. Yeah, that, that like, I'm lost. <laughs> I don't know, I just agree with it. Yeah, it, it's just, it just reminds me of, you know, if Facebook didn't commit all those trust issues, you know, the conflicts that they created, uh, the privacy and security breaches and such, I think we would be in a different future in a different present compared to what we have now. But because of that, I think more people are aware of their actions, you know, long-term, you know, with a new technology company, whether it's, if it was Snapchat or Instagram or um, Clubhouse, for example, you know, that's a perfect example because people understood that um, or just realized that they have some kind of privacy complications, issues that they were hesitant to participate. And so mm -hmm. with more people, you know, using a future thinking mindset or thinking about how can, how can I trust someone with my data, my voice, who I am individually. And so one of the things that people do is, <clears throat> it's like, what's the future of it? <laughs> will yeah. it exist? And will my data, my own self be protected? And as I mentioned, I want to give a TED talk. So that's not going to make me completely famous, but if people had some kind of malicious intent and wanted to have a negative message said by me with deep fake technology, they could do that. Like they could ruin my reputation if they wanted to, because my voice would be online, my face, my mannerisms, and it could be pretty easy to make me say something that I never said, which is scary. The internet is scary. Um, and I mentioned that I joke that my parents are Luddites, um, or like afraid of technology. And they aren't in a technical sense, but they are very hesitant, very cautious about technology. Whereas I work in tech and I'm pretty tech savvy. And then the generation that's younger than me, or two generations, however many, <laughs> how old am I? I don't know, um, have grown up with this technology. And if you listen to them speak about privacy, they are almost born into the idea that they have none. They, they don't have the same hesitations that we do because they don't know any different. Whereas my parents are like, there's no way I will sign up for Facebook because I need to protect my email address and I don't want to give them my birth date. That's something that I willingly did when I was young. 
and the kids have never even had the concept of protecting their birth date or their email address because that's required currency for accessing a website that everybody else is using. All right, so moving on, I think one of the audience asked what are what's the biggest excitement and concern or urgent topic for you personally oh, yes. in the next five years? Um, yeah, something that we need to research or like pay attention to in the next five years. Um, I did start to mention this a little earlier, but the thing that I think is so fascinating and will have a huge impact is our online presentation, our digital identities, the version of self that we put out there and we present to the world, especially since we've become more and more accustomed to doing things behind a screen during the pandemic, I am fascinated to see how this is going to impact our relationships with people, but also our relationships with ourselves. I see myself in a webcam um, preview more than I do in a mirror. And how is that going to impact me? Um, how is it going to impact everybody that doesn't show their natural faces, but shows one with a filter so often. And when we start interacting more with the avatars, what is our relationship to self going to be? I think it shifts our identities and also our expectations from the rest of the world. And I think a lot is going to happen as a result of it. So that's where I will be paying attention in the future. And then during the whole live stream, um, in Instagram live, you actually put on a filter on yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> how was that? How was that experience? What did you like? Didn't like, how did um, you look? Can you describe it? Uh, I put, I tried a few and the commentary I was saying was like, this is ridiculous. We're having, it's called Instagram live. It's supposed to be the closest to like being in person with me as possible. <laughs> And I have the option to put a filter over my face. Even Zoom is like trying out features where you can add eyebrows and lipstick and stuff. Why can't we just be ourselves? Um, and I understand that there's a confidence factor. Not everybody likes to be in the spotlight. Um, but I think that it's problematic when the levels of adjustments are so high. Um, so some of the filters that I was swiping through made my eyes so much lighter in color, um, changed the shape of my eyes and my eyelashes, changed the shape of my eyebrows, gave me a smaller nose, like freckles, big lips. That They changed everything about me. <laughs> and that's what these filters do. There are probably subtle ones out there, but nobody's using them. And I think that's problematic. If you want to cover a pimple, I say, you know, like all the power to you. Um, and if you're changing your entire face and that's, you won't post a video without it, I think we need to evaluate how that's going to impact people's perception of others and perception of self. I guess one of the last things that I ask is, are there more resources for this kind of thinking, you know, features thinking in technology? Um, is there other areas that you recommend people to, you know, include 
with a futures thinking mindset or in the tech field? I know you have a design background. I'm not sure if design thinking is something that people can use as well. There, I don't think there's really any discipline or area that could not benefit from futures thinking, including personal futures. Everything we do has an impact. So I think it's crucial for everybody to think about that. And if you're already thinking about the impact, think farther out and think about the things outside of your respective industry that could be impacted. Regarding design thinking and design, I think when we are designing, we are creating something that doesn't exist yet and we're creating something in the future. So we need to take accountability for the power that that can have and how that might change people's behaviors or perception of self or relationship to the technology, to other people. Um, I think that future state planning is very important. And also not just in the future, we want the app to look like this, but this is how it's going to touch people. And this is how we're gonna mitigate it causing harm. Exactly, exactly. And so, so since this podcast is mostly about personal development and I want to want to focus on future thinking, you know, which is why the, the title is Applying Futures Thinking because it could be applied differently. So with that in mind, what is something you would like to say to people new to futures thinking and the world of futures and foresight? Like what's one basic thing or some inspiring message that you wanna you know, motivate them with? Don't hold yourself back because you don't have absolute certainty. Futures is a unique discipline because it's impossible to have absolute certainty in it. So don't hold yourself back just because of that. You're doing great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's great, Roxy. That was awesome. Thank you for joining the Instagram live session um, and answering the questions that the people, you know, presented for you and how uh, fun it was to chat with you. I guess one of the final things is uh, what are the biggest takeaway from this podcast that you want people to keep, to remember, to you know, implement into their own lives? I want people to know that the things that they're saying concerned about are being heard, um, if not by the tech companies, by me. And I wanna make it so that technologists and tech companies are listening to the people that they're supposed to be designing for. So you have the power, use it wisely. With great power comes <laughs> great responsibility. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you? Where people? Where, where do you uh, want people to contact you? What are some ways to connect with you and see your work? Uh, uh, online, I am at Big Picture Roxy, R O X I with an I for igloo, and my website is BigPictureRoxy.com. And everything that. I've been doing lately is linked in my Instagram bio or on my website. There's a trend scanning, trend scanning email mini course. And there are some blog posts talking about some things I mentioned today, such as the Snapchat dysphoria, the 
hand gestures for cell phones, filters, and all of that. So check it out and let me know what you think. All right. Well, thank you, Roxy. Thank you thank again. Thank you so much, Victor. For thank you for having me. This has been fun. <laughs> All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the conversation that I had with Roxy. And if there is any way that you can support me, you can do so by sharing this episode, by leaving a review, or just by commenting your favorite thoughts or ideas that you heard or send us your questions you can also support us on patreon to get exclusive content like unedited and original conversations i also want to include a shout out to housing lee for becoming my first patreon supporter you know it's incredible for the immense support that he has shown so thank you housing And last but not least, I hope you guys can join us in future events, whether on Instagram Live or Twitter Spaces or Facebook Live, YouTube Live, whatever it is, we hope to see you around. Thank you and bye.